0: In this episode, recorded before lockdown, I'm delighted to be speaking to the entrepreneur, Charlie Gladstone, who is one of the co-founders of the Good Life Experience Festival in Wales and founder of the Glendye Cabins and Cottages in Scotland, Homeware Shop Peddlers, and other various shops, restaurants, and pubs, as well as the website, Some Good Ideas, which is dedicated to British craft and manufacture. He's also the author of several books and is joining the Do Book publishing family with the release of his new book, Do Team, in 2021. His positivity is infectious, as is his zest for life. So I wanted to speak to him about his experiences of death and being such a positive person, was that a topic he even thought about? Charlie is also the great-great-grandson of the oldest UK Prime Minister Sir William Ewart Gladstone, and we talked about legacy and his huge interest in making a good life and embedding some of that huge spirit he has into his family and generations to come.
1: What I'm trying to say really is that I think that the sort of legacy of love and is the thing that you pass on and that baton to your children of confidence and love and happiness, I hope, is the most significant legacy. And the other one that I'm interested in is really trying to reinvent my family history because whilst I um, am very proud of William Gladstone as an ancestor if we don't endlessly change and evolve then I'd still be wandering around hardened in a top hat.
0: Thanks to Charlie for his time and just a note to say that this episode contains adult language and themes about early death and suicide which would not be appropriate to under 18s and as ever I would love if you could rate, review and subscribe to this podcast as it really helps others to find it. Well, so thank you for joining me on the show. It's really, really lovely to have you. And um, we our paths keep crossing, don't they? Yes, but we've, yes. I don't think we've ever sat down and had a proper conversation. No, we, we've met we? at
1: the Good Life Experience. And I, th- I think that there's this sort of circular thing in the Do book yeah, definitely, culture. Yeah. And being in Wales with the Good Life Experience, we're quite sort of close, I think, to Do mm. and the Do lectures. And then I've spoken there and you've spoken there. And then we know through the Good Life about 80% of the Do authors, and you're one of them. Oh. So you're in, you're in a, um, you know, we're, yeah, we're very much in the same circle. Yeah, it's but funny, anyway, isn't it? It's lovely, um, it's, um, and it's great, it's great to, to meet and to have a chance to do this. Well, and
0: I've got lots of questions for you. One of which was, uh, it's kind of a, sort of finding a bit more about who you are and where you've come from. And, and for those who don't know, you're great. Are you the great, great grandson of the, pri- the Prime Minister, William Ewart Gladstone? Yes. So is it great great or great great great? I,
1: I am the great great grandson. So I'm the oldest son of the oldest son. Um wow. so I'm essentially the inheritor of the um you know of all of the legacy. Wow. I own as it were, all of the papers that are in the British Library and, oh. and elsewhere. Um and um I live in his house in Wales, and that's in fact where the festival is, as as you know, yes. Amanda. Hard.
0: Harden, Harden. Harden. yeah.
1: Harden. Well it's pr- it's a really odd Of course, all my friends used to think it's very funny because they used to think they could call it hard on. (laughs) But actually, it's Harden. And um, it's H-A-W-A-R-D-E-N. It's just inside Wales, so Chester. It's
0: a beautiful place as well, isn't it? Yeah, lovely place. So you would have sort of grown up there and... I
1: grew up there. um, And then after university, I moved to London where I worked in the music industry. And um, I'm 55 now, so that was kind of 36 years ago or something like that. And then I got married relatively young um, when I was 23 to Caroline, to whom I'm still married. I'm pleased to report. Good, (laughs) that's good. And um, we had our first child a year or two later, and then we decided to give it all up and move to Scotland. Wow. So we moved to the Highlands of Scotland, renovated a near derelict house, lived there, started a business called Peddlers up there, which we still have a percentage of 22 years after we started it um had six children brought up those six children there um the youngest of those is now 19 and the oldest is 30 Mm. and so um now they're not so much in scotland because their work is ones at university and the rest of them work um in creative industries Mm. um one's a farmer and the other four are um in creative stuff Mm. um and um and so we we spend less time there but we've got business there still yeah And then um, in Wales, we have uh, the Good Life Experience and a couple of food shops, two cafes, pub and a restaurant, an event space, and and a bunch of kind of connected businesses.
0: We've been kind of busy.
1: We've been really busy, yes. (laughs) Yeah, well, we're great. I mean, you know, specific sort of reflection on that to this podcast is, you know, we're we're both great lovers of life. And we've been fortunate in life to have a really wide canvas to paint our picture on. And we've really grabbed everything by the shoulders and really made it, I think, made, you know, made it work the way we want it to work.
0: So coming so coming from that lineage, I just wanted to talk to you about legacy because I talk about legacy in my book and I'm very interested in the sort of our legacies that we leave and the legacies that we come from. So your family legacy is quite a political, you know, the careers of the people in your family are quite political. You know, they had political careers there in Parliament. Why do you think you went on a sort of creative path for yourself? What was it that, that, what happened?
1: that's very interesting. So I run the family land that William Gladstone and his brother and father owned. Um, But on my other, I mean, I'm not convinced this legacy is particularly relevant, but on the other side of my family, my great uncle was the, Photographer and designer, Cecil Beaton, who won two Oscars for set design. And, and you know, one of the most photographers ever. So I think I can trace very clearly. Mm. I said this to someone the other day. It's quite convenient having two well-known ancestors whose lives are drawn very clearly. So on the one hand, I think I'm very um, old-fashioned, hard-working, family-oriented. And on the other hand, and that's the Gladstone kind of legacy. I mean, it's said that Gladstone had... A memento to him in every working class house in Britain, and he was prime minister for full time, so he was quite a you know a remarkable quite a man. Quite
0: force, yeah, yeah.
1: And um, and then on the other hand, I have this very kind of creative, um, you know, side, genetic side. Mm. But but I mean, in terms of I those legacies are, are nice things to have, in some ways. But of course, we're all faced our own challenges, however first world problems they may seem. And and actually, my legacy is more. I'm more interested in in trying to leave my own legacy by doing my own things, mm. than I am in in the historical legacy. Yes, I mean, it's great. You know, it's great having ancestors like that, but but it doesn't matter whether you grow up in a castle or a tent. That if that's if that's happy, then that's your home, mm. and that's what makes you. And the legacy that I'm interested in is 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 really is twofold. And the first is the legacy of my children and my wife. And I, I'm a great believer that when we're Carried or wheeled down the aisle for the final time in that coffin, that really virtually nothing else matters other mm. than your husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend People partner you love children and that if you've made a trillion dollars in the city or, or you've you know recorded um, you know a lot of fairly average movies or, or whatever, you know it, it's academic. Mm. I think what I'm trying to say really is that I think that the sort of legacy of love. And is the thing that you pass on. And that baton to your children of confidence and love and happiness, I hope, mm. is the most significant legacy. And the other one that I'm interested in is really trying to reinvent my family history. Mm. Because whilst I um, am very proud of William Gladstone as an ancestor, if we don't endlessly change and evolve, then I'd still be wandering around hardened in a top hat. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of, you know, uh, and, and I think, you know, mm-hmm. so I think, yeah. so that legacy is fine and that's yes, great. And sometimes people come to our house in Wales and they kind of say to some of my children, you know, who's that portrait of there? Because we've got lots of sort of old family portraits, literally dating from kind of 1700s, 1800s. Mm. And and the kids are like, oh, I don't know. And and the people are astonished that they don't know. And I think, well, why should they know? Yeah. I mean, if... if A, that history is written, that Gladstonian history, Cecil Beaton's history is written a thousand times. Mm. B, why do we have to be interested in the past? I mean, the future is a heck of a lot more interesting or the now to me. So those are my my kind of two things about Mm. legacy. And, And what I mean is about the people who make average films. I mean, you can make films, you can be like the most successful filmmaker of your circle of friends or in London. But in 20 years time after you're dead... I don't think anyone gives a shit about your I films. Know, that's it. If your kids are miserable. <laughs>
0: well, exactly. You know. That's exactly it, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know past my, my grandparents. I mean, I, I, I wish I did know a little bit more, but most people don't know beyond their set sort of great grandparents. And I think that's okay, because you're right. It's about moving forward and taking that, that ancestral force, whatever it is, and using it in a different way, reinventing it, changing sometimes family you know a lot of stuff goes through families i think and it's about breaking that as well that's like i mean
1: in the in the in the hopefully someone will want to make a little talk a eulogy mm-hmm. at my funeral and, and i very much hope that they're not going to say well he was really interested in the history of william gladstone and and wrote another book and showed a lot of people what the portraits were no. and that that's not in any way to belittle that history i hope they'll say that he um was a fantastic father tried his mm-hmm. hardest you know, was as good a husband as he possibly could be, did some really interesting things on earth. And I hope that all you people in the congregation who worked with him or encountered him found him to be decent, kind, interesting, invigorating, original, amusing, you know. Authentic. And then, then because that, you know, I mean, I may be jumping the gun here, but I don't personally believe in heaven. I actually do believe in God, but I don't believe in heaven. But I think, I but I do believe in the sort of the spirit that, that I think that the spirit that we can leave behind, and I don't mean the spirit floating around in the air. I mean that kind of. I think that my children have a lot of me in them, and I hope that they will then pass that on to their children, mm. who in turn will pass it on to their children. Yeah,
0: it's like a, the genetic. Do you mean like in the genetic sense? No, I don't mean in a genetic or?
1: sense. I mean, I, I can see a huge amount of my father in me, mm. and he was incredibly um kind, creative, funny, interested in people, um, and 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 so I can see that in myself. There's, that's a good way of saying all the good things I think about myself, yeah. blaming them on my dad. Yeah. But so he passed that on to me, and I'd like to think I passed some of those on to my children. Now we're talking about positive legacy because you know we all have bad characteristics. Mm. But I suppose what I'm saying is that you know that's what matters. That spirit. That that those people who go out of the church. Mm. Hopefully, they have a little bit of a blub and they go back and they, you know, they, they have something to eat and drink or whatever. And then and in a few weeks they're like, you know, they got over it. And I hope. And <laughs> um and, and you know and and they pass that on and yeah. their children. You know, my children's children live on and and um. I mean, in fact, fascinatingly and amazingly excitingly, we're about to be grandparents. And um, so, you know, I never imagined. That. I mean, I, I am—I say only fifty-five, but that's but that's very exciting. And our eldest son is thirty, and his, his wife as well is thirty. But you know, that's a real legacy mm. thing. That's like, man, it is, you know, it? I'm a grown-up now. Yeah. You know, it's but I—I'm I, just sort of retracing. that I think if we can possibly keep our family and friends close and do the best by them, that's the most important legacy. Mm. And it's not about money. And it's and, and you know, if you're if you're a world changing scientist or a really, you know, a, a, any sort of fantastic charity worker, then there is a legacy. Mm. And it's a similar legacy. Anyway,
0: I I'm, I totally agree. I'm totally in. You know, it is about the, the legacy is the love that we leave behind and the love that we shared in this life. And I think people forget that. Yes. You know, and, and there's a. I don't know if you've heard about it, but there's a there was a, nurse, a, a palliative care nurse who worked in Australia called Bronnie Ware, and she talked about these sort of five regrets of the dying. One of them was, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I'd spent more time with my family and friends. And, you know, these are the things that people talk about. Uh, and she did, did this sort of survey over a few years and found that that's what people... You know, they, they, nobody wished they worked harder.
1: I think that's yeah. right. I mean... Uh, You know, that's not to say that I don't believe and I do profoundly believe that good work is massively life-enhancing. Yes. And whether you're working in something simply that you love and makes money or you're working for charity, that is part of your legacy because I think if you're not happy in your work, you're probably not very happy at home.
0: It's massive, yeah.
1: Um, So I'm not, you know, I'm not belittling work. Um, I I, 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 I just think, you know, I mean, someone who's made a trillion dollars out of screwing people in the city i mean what's the point what, what,
0: what, 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 you know what legacy have they left i yeah, mean they've exactly. left a lot of money
1: to someone who probably will fuck themselves up as a result of it yeah but you know i'd love to make lots of money by the way and i'd be really nice and really kind <laughs> with it but i mean <laughs> but you know i do I, I think this and i think it increasingly and i think that I've been reflecting on it. Inc- my father was only died about 18 months ago. Yes,
0: tell me about your dad. Well, my dad, dad, dad and
1: I were. Uh, weirdly, I mean, my dad died age 92, this is... just under wow. two years ago, and I haven't really mourned him at all. I, I gave. He he was a very well known man, and we had about 700 people at his funeral. Wow. Um. And I gave the eulogy, and I haven't mourned my dad particularly, really. And lots of people said, "Oh, you will, you will, you will." and I haven't done that for two reasons: One is that I had a fantastic relationship with him, and we got on brilliantly, and I was with him when he died, and we have th- therefore I have no guilt or or regrets and I, and I, my my hunch is that that guilt is a big player in this, but as my dad is the only person who I've loved deeply who's died thus far i can't I don't have anything to compare it mm. with, but we were great friends. So there was nothing left unresolved. The second is that my dad believed absolutely profoundly that he was going, you know, that he he was he was highly religious, Christian, kept it very much under his um, belt, but it was a personal thing. And I think he probably believed that he was going to heaven. And so I think there's huge comfort in that. Mm. Um, so I have none of that regret about having had terrible rows with him or being, being a bastard to him or wishing that when we were children, we spent more time together or not being able to get to him when he was dying. Um, All of that stuff is resolved. And whilst I wish that everyone could live to be 200, 300 years old, 92 was pretty amazing. Mm. And um, so I never really, I mean, I cried a bit at the time. I think, if I'm really honest, I think because I think people wanted me to, or Mm. I felt people expected me to. Mm. Um, I think there are, my hunch here is that there are two types of death. One is relationship with death Mm. and one is that and you know my dad knows that i i I loved him almost more than anyone else and we were absolute best friends we worked together for 20 years we got on really well the other is i think sort of early or unresolved guilt death or violent death Mm. and my sister lost a child um when that child was one year old she died of a hole in the heart mm. and a ba- and an operation that didn't work and that's that's a completely different kettle of fish because all of those things that I've just described about my dad, mm. I think are turned on their head mm. so my sister it tore my sister's life Absolutely. apart Absolutely. it tore her marriage apart it no doubt had a massive impact on her siblings and it breaks my heart to think about that
0: mm.
1: because that's not fair
0: yeah
1: and it's not timely and it's not and and you know and then in, and then i know obviously people who have been killed in horrendous car crashes or suicides um and i feel you know i they're not intimates but they're friends and I th- so I do think there are, you know, I don't Different think one agree, can generalise. Yeah. I mean, I'm not kind of like, hey man, he's just died, everything's cool. Absolutely not. Mm. And I, I suspect that when other people that are close to me die, I mean, I, I'm, I, I struggle with my relationship with my mother and, and, and therefore I think about her death in quite conflicted terms.
0: Do you still see her?
1: I do. I mean, she's very unwell with Alzheimer's. And, um, and so I might, you know, I, it's, it's quite a sort of strange relationship anyway now, but, but I, I am, you know, I, I do worry about myself when she dies and I have no idea how much, you know, Mm. how how long that's going to be because I think that that the sort of cleanliness, if you like, of my relationship with my father is, is, is very straightforward.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny because it's the second conversation I've had about this in the last week, uh, I was recording someone last week, and he said exactly the same thing. He said his, he, his sister died. He said the grief that he has for her is very pure because there was no complication in their relationship. And he was there with her when she died. They had a fantastic life relationship. And so I think you're right. I think a lot of complication and grief comes from guilt and comes from a unresolved relationships that we have in our life, complicated deaths, traumatic death suicide you know children. early death as early, well I early think early I mean death, I think exactly. and I, you know I th- I think child. I think
1: you know I should also qualify this that I think I, I'm pretty convinced and obviously I've thought about it that a death of my wife or any of my children would completely break me yeah. and so what I, I think that you know no one can you know, so one can generalize, you know, unless you hate your children mm. or they hate you, which some people do. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that I think is is exceptional.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and and I and I actually my sister who works for me um at the Good Life Experience, I've always had the most profound respect for the way that she managed to get through that mm. and then have two other children and bring all her four children up to be, you know, fantastic human beings. Um, her marriage fell apart because of it and in fact a, a, a very senior doctor friend of mine said to me that he that you know marriages very rarely survive that
0: it's like 75% I think is that right yeah, yeah. Very and of course yeah. you
1: know I, I, I'm not an expert but my hunch would be that so much to do is to do with guilt mm. so there we return to that because to that word because I think it's the guilt of is it my fault mm whether it's mm. genetic or it's an accident or an illness. Anyway, I mean, I'm not an expert on that, but, but it's just very interesting for me that the two deaths we've had in my birth family were a one-year-old and a 92-year-old. Yeah. And the emotions are very different, yeah, I yeah. think, in both those cases.
0: And so do you think about death at all?
1: You yeah.
0: Know, as, as we get older?
1: I think about it a lot. Yeah, do you? Yeah.
0: Your own or... or, or no, I think, about,
1: I think about... My, my mother-in-law died about... A month ago, okay. six weeks ago. Um, so we've had death kind of on the, on the uh, daily agenda for mm. p- you know the last month or two. Um, I think that when my father died, something changed in me and that I, re- I really realised that it was real. Oddly enough, Caroline and I both had all four parents until a couple of years ago, three of which are now, but well, two of which are dead, but three of which were above 90. Wow. And so you kind of you kind of almost think well maybe maybe there's an exception. Yeah. I I think about death in my own context because although I have sadness and struggles and anxiety and all those things like everyone I love my life mm. and I can't bear the idea of it being over. But but I think about it more in terms of the fact that I just want to keep going until the last minute if I possibly can. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I, brilliant, David Mitchell said a brilliant thing on the Adam mm. Buxton podcast about death. He said, I'm not frightened of death. I just don't want it to happen tomorrow. <laughs> and, and, and I kind of, you know, I kind of do get yeah. that. Um, I think that's absolutely right. I, I want, you know, I, I would hope that I can live until 90 to mm. see my children well off into the world as adults. Um, and then I would hope that Caroline and I might die on exactly the same day. Mm. And if we could do some mutual jabs or something, at the, you know, <laughs> seriously, um, just a, an, an evo- because I think I think for me, old age is far more scary than death. I mean, I had no idea how grim old age can be. Mm. And whilst that's not me saying I want to die young, far from it. I mean, seeing my mother's decline. And she's always been a, a... When
0: did it start? What sort of age are you still... Well, like I, I, that's a,
1: that I think she's suffered long-term from untreated and un, properly undiagnosed depression on quite a high level and anxiety. And so actually, of course, one of the things with Alzheimer's, is, as I understand it, is that it tends to magnify existing conditions. So it's very hard to kind of identify a precise point at which mm. it happened. But... but um, but you know, I, 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 it breaks my heart to think of of, of people going through that, mm. and and um, so that you know, for me, I'm not worried about death. For me, I mean, I hope it's not violent. I hope mm. it's not unpleasant, too unpleasant, and I hope it's not soon. But what I what I worry about is is just spending six years kind of wandering around in circles, unable to feed myself,
0: yeah. shouting
1: at people. Um, you know, peeing in the bed it's and all grim, that stuff. It? It's it's really, really grim. And seeing my b- beloved mother-in-law in hospital for three and a half months, she was the most, literally about two years ago, you know, the most spirited person, smoked 20 fags a day, full of kind of opinions and life and sort of throaty laughter. And um, and to see her sort of, you know, living off, post an accident, a, a broken hip... I mean, put, put people down, please. I mean, I understand the arguments pro and against euthanasia and, and, I, and I, I think the law is absolutely bang on right and I don't think it can yeah. be much different. Don't get me wrong. I'm not naive, but I mean, it's, that's, that's far more frightening than dying. Yeah,
0: I understand. And I think uh, there's a lot of loneliness in old age as well, isn't there? Yes. I think we don't want to confront old age and, and, and the fact that there's death beyond that so we don't really look after i don't think as a as a society in the western world I think we really look after our aging population i think we've
1: got a real serious problem we and do. I, i'm most interested yeah. in the two, in, in really this in relation to commerce because i think that when we had local shops and high streets old people at least had somewhere to go and we're seeing and, yeah, and we're seen and we chat to people, and and that's just evaporating. Mm. Now, if you live in a city, it isn't so much evaporating because there will always be a corner shop, um, or whatever. But but if you live in anywhere outside the city and you want to go and buy your groceries and see people and go to the post office and and go to a, you know, a, a, a you know whatever, wander around and socialise, it doesn't exist, and no. and it's going to get worse. So we've actually got almost. All young people and all old people sitting indoors. Young people looking at their phones and buying stuff on their phones. And old people sitting indoors because young people are sitting indoors looking at their phones and buying stuff on their phones.
0: That's, that's absolutely right. And, and also, people don't know that these old people are sitting at home on their own. I mean, I met a, a lovely guy, he was so lovely, in the hospice that I volunteer in. And um, he said, I'm ready to go, Amanda. I said, why? And he said, because I, I don't see anyone. I'm here in the hospice," he said. "But normally I'm at home, and I used to go out and get my paper, and I would see someone." He said, "I'm literally at home now. I can't go out. I'm not able to, and I don't see anyone from no. day in day out." And I, it, well, it I think cities are worse at
1: that. I think, yeah. uh, ironically and conversely, I think cities are worse. I think it's much easier to be lonely in a city than mm. it is in a, in a village or a, yes. a, a town, because or even right in the countryside. Because I think. Small communities are better at coping with looking after people. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, that does, that does worry me hugely. So my dream is to go till um, at least a hundred, absolutely full of beans <laughs> and, um, and be on really pretty good form. And everyone say he's amazing and then just drop dead. But on the same day <laughs> as Caroline
0: Yeah. and then, and then
1: be wheeled down the aisle um, together. and together um, and, um Everyone to, to think, um, everyone to give some nice talks and say, what a, what a great father, grandfather, uncle, yeah. bloke he was. He was really kind, really nice. Um, and then they can set fire to me. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll all be all right.
0: <laughs> well, there's a saying, isn't there? I've heard it somewhere where you can, it's something to do with you can see how someone has led their life by who comes to their funeral. Yes. You know? So. Yes. Where where not many people turn up. What kind of a life have they had, or they haven't? You know, they've they've led a very lonely life at the end, or you know. So I think it's very telling when you when you go to a funeral. It
1: is, of course, but, but then you know, part of the awful thing with old age is that a great deal of people's all of their families have died.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: You know, and and I mean, not all. Hopefully, they've got you know someone there. But I mean, if you're ninety-eight and you die. Um, and and maybe even if you had a hundred friends, maybe chances are that probably ninety eight percent of them. Yeah, are dead there is that. Yeah. And the yeah. other two can't move, so <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, I mean, you know, um, maybe I shouldn't laugh, but I mean, you know, I, I think that's a, that's awful. But but hey, you know, that's the reality it's, of this. It. It's
0: a ho- I mean, I, I mean, I, you I,
1: can't you can't live without dying, and I I no. really love living.
0: Yes, well, that's the point, so, isn't it? I think and so. I think
1: for me, you know, the the greatest reflection on of my life, uh, uh, on on the future life, is kind of trying to avoid, as much as they're avoidable, the trials of old age, by Mm. trying to keep relatively fit, Eat reasonably well and keep my brain going.
0: Mm. Well, they say if you're when you're a grandparent, they say looking after the grandchildren is a really good way of keeping dementia and Alzheimer's. Yes. I feel they? like I've
1: only just stopped looking after my children, <laughs>
0: I, 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 but I'm, I'll, <laughs> I'll have we? the grandchildren twenty-four-seven <laughs> yeah. if I'm allowed to. I know that. But apparently, that helps yes. being active in the in the, in young children's lives is, is apparently. Well, I think I think just being
1: active. I mean, one of the great anyway, yeah. One of the great joys of having. Um, Our children for me has been, and and there's 11 years between our six. You've got lots, you've got six. Yeah, we've got six. So we've got a boy who's 30, and then four girls, and then a boy who's 19. And really, the great joy for me is that I'm constantly surrounded by not just them, but by their friends. So the weekend in Wales, you know, we had um, my eldest daughter and her husband, my second daughter and her boyfriend, my fourth daughter and her boyfriend, our son. his girlfriend. Yeah. So you've got eight Doubles. or ten people, and you know those people are expressing ideas and, mm. and in the you know and, and in the best possible way challenging you know things that I mm. you know might say, and I think that, that's a that's a real privilege.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I'm much more. I'm, you know, whilst I think you know babies are all very nice. Yes, I understand. mean I I do think you know I do think that the older children get, the more interesting they become.
0: More from Charlie in a minute. A charity that Charlie wanted to champion is Shelter Cymru based in Wales who help thousands of people every year who are struggling with bad housing or homelessness. They campaign hard to prevent this in the first place and believe that everyone has the right to a decent secure home. So to find out more or to support the valuable work they are doing please visit sheltercymru.org.uk and all the links will be in the show notes of this podcast. Now back to Charlie. And so I wanted to talk to you about actually good life because so doing death is about raising awareness, awareness of death and dying, but also I'm very much about if you start thinking about death earlier and that actually it is, it is there somewhere, we don't know when that's going to be, but we need to live really well until that point, whenever that is. So I feel like the good life is your festival that you do is very much about having a good life and actually i referred to it in my talk that i gave i said you know we're all here we're all here to have a good life you know so let's let's just get on with it and i and i th- and i love the idea that it's about sort of it's it's about going back to sim- the simplicity of. well, life I, think it is, well I think it is
1: but i think it is about so the good life experience is about the traditional good life which is craft being outdoors great food um And, and, you know, interesting ideas Mm. and and fun and music. It's not serious. I mean, it's basically days of sort of nurturing and learning and then Mm. a party at night. But but most importantly, I feel that it is about um, the idea of kind of living your life responsibly and gently. Yeah. So that the good life is very much based around kindness, Mm. not just to other human beings, but... Um, keeping crafts going, traditional crafts going, Mm. kindness to the environment, um, kindness to, you know, things we eat. So trying to think about where things we eat come from. And and, And and so it's, 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 these are all quite dry subjects and, and quite worthy subjects, but if they're done in the right way, I feel that, you know, what when, if you lived that version of the good life, you can die not just happier, but safer, in the knowledge that mm. you've lived a reasonably responsible life. So, it's the opposite of kind of, you know, taking drugs and buying your clothes that are made in a in a you know in a uh, a prison in China, mm. and um, you know buying factory farmed beef um, and all those things. It's the opposite of all that mm. stuff. And 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 that that's it's not in any way preachy or puritanical. It's just suggesting that a pair of kind of you know work boots a pair of jeans and a big thick jumper and being outside cooking over a campfire listening to great music with a pint is a better way of going yeah. about life than than going shopping yeah. in in the high sh- in primark
0: and i think also what i noticed when i was there as the speaker but also just afterwards you know just hanging out and enjoying it I, you know there's a community there
1: what's most heartening from it is that everyone's so friendly mm. and i think that's a very easy thing to achieve mm. by if you sh- if you can show people they are welcome mm. and i think kindness and friendliness are, are, are like um benign well no like um sort of friendly viruses they mm. spread very quickly
0: mm. yeah because when you feel good the person next to you is going to feel exactly. good and then they're going to feel good and you meet the, people you, know. yeah,
1: you meet people with your eyes yeah. and with a smile and i think it's fair you know and say hello mm. I mean, I'm a great fan of saying hello. I mean, I think in cities you need to be careful because someone might thump you or if you speak to a child, someone sort of arrest you for being a pervert. But actually, in reality, I tend to try and say hello to everyone.
0: Yes, well, I noticed and, that at the festival. But, but I, th- you, I think also yeah. on the streets. I mean, I, I
1: think that part of the problem in cities is that groups of people, you know, old, young black, white, rich, poor, always think the other group hates them. Mm. But in reality they don't really no. you know, I, no. I mean only the most ridiculous person hates someone for being rich or black or poor or white. You yes. know, so if you actually say morning, I mean Notting Hill where we are now, where we had our shop for ten years, is just a it has its problems and, and and of course it's easy for me as a privileged white male to say, but you know, most people get on really just fine. Mm. And, you know, where, we, you know, living in the South of England, you know, um, you, it, it's, you know, it's probably what, well, you know, the most balanced place in, in Europe, yeah. possibly. Yeah. Um, you know so you, you kind of you have a different perspective, on yeah.
0: It, London's but, very unusual, uh, yeah, in terms of and the, all the better of, for it, yeah. And interesting
1: enough, voted against Brexit and blah blah yeah, blah, you yeah, know? yeah.
0: So it's very, and you know, it brings on to this thing about language, about how we talk about things and how we talk about death as well. You know, how we talk about death is we use a lot of euphemisms and people can't actually say the word death. I they find it so.
1: completely, I'm almost provocatively, there are two things I hate well, one is past. I, I I promise you someone said recently to me um <laughs> we lost we lost our father in the night and I promise you I thought oh god that's awful Where's he got- um I hope you found him now you know that's a bad thing to happen to an old man and what he was actually <laughs> saying was that he was dead I I don't think we need to say that sort yeah, of thing and they and, died I I mean maybe I'm wrong here but past, I mean past? What, what does that mean? Well, We've I got a, co- a word for it. I mean, I don't think, if I say I walk to the shops, I don't, if I started saying I actually, I'm, I'm just going to travel fly to the shops. Travelate <laughs> to the shop or some nonsense word. I don't know what else I can, you know, kind of <laughs> I'm going to f- float to the shops.
0: Yes. I think
1: you go, I don't really know what quite what you what mean What are you talking there. about? We um, don't
0: have euphemism for birth, do we? No. You
1: know. She passed a child into, out. into the world. <laughs> She happily passed a child. <laughs> happily, he she was born. She found a child. Yes. <laughs> happily, he was born. Yes, I found a child in the night.
0: <laughs> and here she is. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen,
1: you must return it. <laughs> it's just not the done thing.
0: No, but it, it's become okay to describe death as anything but death. You could so say I found
1: a child and I just thought I was really fat. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you, um. But, but that would be all right. That yeah. would be like, I found a child inside me.
0: <laughs> <But> <laughs> um, God. I'm a but bit no. silly now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Language is so important when you describing diversity. I mean, I think it is. I
1: mean, I I think that we, I think that, we should, you know, I think it's very important and, you know, sort of slightly going back to the diversity thing that that it's the intention. Yeah. So if if I've just put my foot in it and someone's pissed off with me listening to this podcast, well, I'm sorry about that because I wasn't trying to do anything bad. Likewise, with death, if people feel they need to use euphemisms, fine, but I think, I don't think it does anything to remove the stigma from something that we're all very frightened of. Mm. And actually, oddly enough, I used the phrase passed away once, I think, in my life, which was I was with in the room with my sister and my dad when he died. And, and and eventually we said, um, yeah, I think he is actually dead now. And then I went out to the nurses and I said, my my dad's or my father's just passed away. And I think what I was trying to do there was to kind of soften you know, while I was immediately processing yeah, this yeah. kind of big thing, I think I was trying to sort of um, to, to, um, to soften the blow. But, mm-hmm. you know, my view on, on, on death is that, one of my views is that it happens to all of us. We need to talk about it in real mm-hmm. terms. But I think we also need to get over this kind of, if, if we can all possibly just kind of try to feel as good about it as possible, that's going to be very helpful. Um, I don't feel that we need to overly impose our own emotions on everyone we meet um, or it becomes almost kind of mawkish and, um, and kind of it doesn't do much justice mm. to the process. So mm. I, I sort of feel, my personally, and this is maybe very old-fashioned, but I kind of think like if you say to me, did you have a good year last year and my dad died eight months ago, I don't think it's my position in society to say, oh, I didn't have a very good year because my dad died. Because it's all going it to happen to all of us. And your dad's probably died. And your mum, you know, everyone's got it around them. Mm. I think we need to try and kind of compartmentalize it in that sense mm. so that it's not, we're not imposing it on everyone. Because I think that increases the fear. Yeah. What What I think is that we need to remove the, stigma and the fear, or no, we need to. It would be good to remove the mm. stigma and the fear of death and, and perhaps even make light of it.
0: Yeah. Well, just having this conversation and getting out there. Yeah. Is fantastic. You my know? dad
1: used to say he was, um, that people had gone up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I mean, that was kind of almost <laughs> humorous. Yeah. But, but my father would have none of, the, you know, he would have had none of the kind of, um, he would, I mean, he'd have really, if, he, if my father, for example, had heard people saying, you know, Willie Gladstone passed away. you would have slapped them. <laughs> 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 He'd have really taken the mick out what of if them. if they
0: said Willie, Willie's been promoted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He's gone up. He'd have been happy with <laughs> that. Like yeah. That. <laughs>
1: um, ultimately, you know, I believe that when we die, we leave a legacy with human beings. Yeah, That, that we turn back to dust. Mm. Um, and I would rather be burned and and chucked somewhere um, nice. And I really, I hope that. It, a few people miss me but most importantly i hope they think you know what a great life what a good example Mm. what a cut he was kind to me you know i loved him he loved me um and i'm gonna pass on a bit of his vibe
0: well yeah i mean it's a bit like the one it's a wonderful life isn't it yes i mean that's one of my favorite films and i love the idea that you know he thinks his life means nothing and it's meaningless and worthless but actually when he looks at his life he's really affected a lot of people which he had no idea he had and i think it's going back to the kindness thing isn't it you know little acts of kindness can be very powerful in life very powerful. they do have a knock-on effect and very
1: powerful and this you know, is why I'm we need that, to be you know th- it, it's what i'm in i'm much more interested in what happens in life yes so i i f- i feel people's pain i take it on i i feel you know, I feel deeply for people who are depressed. I had a friend who killed himself not long ago now, less than two months ago. It's wow. horrendous. And and what we can do in life is just try to be to be kind, you know, and, and, and thoughtful and considerate to others around us and, and, and to people at work and people at play and people we never even see again. Mm. It's just remarkable how, and, it, and it's, this is a real cliche, but it's really true. Just saying thanks to the bin man or mourning to, a, to an old person on mm. the street, it can be transformative. Not because you're just like a good person, a good guy going around sharing the love, but because it just all passes on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, and and I think that's far more interesting oh. than, than and then old age I think is is really interesting.
0: Why well, earlier you said that you're really loving your life? How are you able to do that?
1: Well, <laughs> you know, I think how are you able
0: to have a good life?
1: I'm exceptionally mm-hmm. privileged. Okay. So that there is absolutely you know there is no hiding behind the fact that I've you know brought up. I was educated at the best school. I went to the best university. Um, I've always been healthy. I am going back to our original conversation. White. I'm male. Um, I met a fantastic woman who I married early on. We've kept our marriage together. We've had six fantastic healthy children. My parents have lived to old age. You know, I've, I've always been reasonably good at making money. I run a family business that would always have guaranteed me a bit of money. Mm. Um, so I'm deeply privileged. I think what, what I've, You know, so my position is really one of luck and fortune, and where I was born. But but what I've done is I've tried to make the absolute best of that, and I've never apologized for having a great education. Mm. I never apologized for who I am. Um, But what I try to do is to do things that are worthwhile. Mm. So I've never had an interest in, you know, kind of expensive cars or Mm. islands in the Caribbean or first class air travel. What I'm interested in is creating. Businesses that that make my life and everyone around me's life better, and that that's my kind of interest in life. And I do that by dreaming up things and turning them into reality. So shops, festivals, events, mail order companies. We've got a new business in Scotland doing holiday cottages mm. and cabins mm. at Glendie. By doing all of that stuff. Um, and and so that that's you know that's me living my life to the full and then I'm lucky also perhaps possibly through education because I don't think I'm particularly bright by birth um to have endless interests mm. i love i'm passionate about music you know i love culture i love current affairs i love football i love running um, I'm interested in endless different things. And those are, you know, that's, that's, living, a, that's mm. living my that's life to the full. That's engaging, isn't it? I just, yes, yes yeah. but I think, you know, what, what I can't do is pretend in any way that a lot of these opportunities I've made the absolute best of. But, but you know, the, oppor- the fundamental opportunity was handed on a plate the day mm. I was born. And I think it's really important to say that yeah. because otherwise I think I sound like a smug person. <laughs> and and that's not what I am. Well, I like but that
0: you're aware of where you know. I'm you're very aware of, it, of that you know, legacy, and, and
1: and I think I think that you know I I can do things like the good life because mm. I have a, a location to do it. It's amazing. I can build my farm shop because I you know had some land that I could get planning permission to build a farm shop on. You know.
0: So I just also wanted to ask you about nature and your relationship to nature and the outdoors, and you you talk a lot when well, I've heard you talking about the outdoors life and. And the sea and and the seasons. You talk about winter being very important to you and people like death and life in a way like a seasonal thing. You know, like going into death, going into old age, yes. is like going into our winter. And I love that sort of comparison between the seasons and well, that's very interesting. I, yeah. I mean, I've got
1: I think I've got sort of two answers here. Is that my father described himself as a country bumpkin and. And, and I, he wasn't, but he was, he was what used to be called a countryman in that he knew all the trees, all the birds, mm. you know, all, all the, um, you know, the grasses, the, you know, he knew the cloud names, all that stuff. And when we were children, really, I mean, kind of, you didn't really have toys when I was mm. growing up. You, you might have had a few, but you didn't have telly, a record player. Um, we just played outside. We lived mm. in the countryside. We played outside all day, mm. every day. And our summer holidays were always in Scotland. So we would pl- go out and play outside. Mm. And mum and dad didn't seem to have any interest in kind of what we were doing. I mean, not in a negative way, but they'd say, like, go and play outside. And then we'd do, we'd spend all day kind of climbing trees or trying to construct rafts or bridges mm. on, and, and you know, or walk, you know, five miles down a river, you know, without falling in. And, and <laughs> a lot of the things we did and fire and mm. fireworks and you know, things we'd made little kind of, you know, crazy kind of fish traps and things. And and it just, it shaped everything about me. Mm. And so and I'm very, very outdoorsy. I mean, I would much, uh, that's where I want to be. I'm never really in a room without the window mm. open. I always have the window open in my car, sleep in a bedroom with no heating and the window open. And I think that, so that that's had a kind of, that's had a really massive effect mm. on me. And, um, and, and so when we had our first child, um, Jack in 1988 or nine or whatever it was, um, we nine, should we say eight, sorry, Jack, um, (laughs) (laughs) I know you're 30. I'm just a bit confused. I'm getting old. Um, I, um, we decided to move to Scotland to do just that. And we brought up the children outside with dogs and horses and, and, you know and, and big skies and and it shaped who they are mm. and um and so I've all, so Caroline and I wrote a book for random house called the the first edition was the peddler's guide to the great outdoors mm. and the second edition was a family guide that's become our thing yeah. because that's our truth yes. that's who we are and i said once before which was that they say it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert in something and we've definitely spent 10,000 hours pissing around (laughs) outside so you know I'm I'm still really good at kind of walking down the river Mm. without falling in oddly enough yes or you know lighting fires and and I I love eating outdoors we had New Year's Eve outdoors last year um and and so you know that's a big thing and Mm. I I believe and I can remember this powerful Mm. calmness even as a young person that came over me when I was outside by myself Mm. and I I got to the st- I was very keen on fishing. And in Scotland, you can fish for brown trout in any river. You don't have to have a license. And I used to be able to tell where the brown trout were.
0: Wow. I was so
1: kind of in tune. tune. Um, but So, so we've been very keen to try and pass that on. And the good life experience, and the, in fact, the Glendike Cabins and Cottages business um, are, are really based around outside life. Mm. The other thing about the seasons and, and life which I found fascinating, and it happened to me only very recently. It was in June of last year. Our eldest daughter was married um, in the church in Harbin. Our eldest son, Jack, had a um, humanist wedding in, and not in a church. And suddenly I watched all these young adults, 30-year-old, 28-year-old, and I thought, OK, the baton is now passed on Mm. you know for for the last 35 years i have been of the generation where the young look up to me and the old look up to me and now i'm popping out of that generation Mm. so i think you know our whole society is geared around really people between the age of 30 and 55 kind of thing you know they're the ones who are running the country and Mm. you know probably pretty badly but but you know doing the things and, and and the 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 young people you know want to be like them, whether they're they want to be footballers or fashion designers yeah. or whatever it is. Um and the you know, the old people think, well they're remarkable with all their energy. And then suddenly I looked at these and I thought, Oh goodness me, India, you and your husband and all your mates, you're the grown ups
0: yeah.
1: now. And there was an element wow. of there was an element of melancholy to that because to draw on your sort of four seasons parallel, you know, I thought maybe I am entering autumn. Mm. Um Not, I mean, I like autumn, you know, IRL. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just proving that I'm youthful. <laughs> um, but I, but I, but I, you know, I. Th- that was quite interesting.
0: Oh, yeah. In terms
1: of the sort of reflections on on death.
0: But have you ever yeah. thought of yourself as really grown up? Though I mean, no, not at all, <laughs> no, because no. I think
1: I think that. I what think what is
0: grown up, you know? Well,
1: I think I saw grown up as a kind of notion of complete happiness.
0: Mm.
1: Without understanding that that you know, happiness is is here and now. It's never something in the future. Um and that you know, I kind of always assumed that you know, my anxiety about, you know, life or finance or or you know, not or something having screwed up or you know, would kind of dissolve as I because when you look when I looked at my parents, I just thought they're just completely sus. They appear to have mm. you know, I bet they don't have I wouldn't Im- contemplated their have financial hassles because they not, had to they're not
0: sus, they, they, they had to buy you know,
1: they they went to the shop and just kind of bought what they needed yeah. and, and all that stuff and, and you know, supermarket or whatever it was. And and then suddenly you kind of realize that actually, you know, they're not. So I've never felt grown up in that sense. Mm. I do feel age fifty-five, having worked for myself now for thirty years. I do feel quite wise, mm. oddly enough. It doesn't mean that I don't get panicked about things or or we had something this week in one of my businesses that really got me down and made me wonder what on earth I was doing. Mm. So those things do still happen. But I think if a younger person comes to me or indeed someone of my age and says, I've got this problem, I can generally offer something that I couldn't do yes. when I was younger.
0: Yes, and that's good, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're having a good life. and uh... I'm having, I mean, I, I you know, <laughs> I am having,
1: Amanda, I'm having, you know, I am so lucky. Oh. And and I also, you know, I mean, I, I, f- I think you pr- we all probably feel the same. And no- one final thing mm. is that I don't think that imposter syndrome ever goes away. Ugh. That I've always feel like, why would someone want to talk to me?
0: I have it now. And actually, some <laughs> of your
1: listeners are probably thinking, good bloody question, mate. <laughs> Who are they?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: but, you know, I mean, you know, what... Um, I, I think we all, you know, that that I think keeps you very much alive. Yes, I think that A lack of complacency at mm. best, or arrogance at worst, um, is a good thing. Just mm. to kind of go like, I don't think I'm very good at
0: anything. No, but and and who who's an expert? Yes. You know what makes somebody an expert?
1: Well, often the person who shouts loudest.
0: <laughs> it's me. <laughs> me, you. <laughs> I'm a death expert now. Yeah, exactly. I said to my husband. Yeah,
1: and you haven't even I'm not died yet. <laughs> god I mean the arrogance of it
0: so thank you so much for de- talking about death and being what and, and wanting to be on this podcast and talking about death because you know that because of the stigma I think people always think like, god like, you know what's that going to make me fit sound like or you know how am I going to come across talking about death? I think it's really important well what a privilege
1: know. and what a privilege it's been Amanda but also you're right I mean I was just this 30 seconds ago thinking you know I've done a few podcasts and I feel they're much, This what's interesting about this is that I'm less in control mm. because I'm not just telling a story about all the great things I've done. It's good to try and put these things out there mm. rather than just kind of say, oh, and then I did this and that was yeah. brilliant. And then I did that and yeah, that was even better. Yeah, let's talk about better. the hard stuff. Yeah, thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank
0: you. For more information about Charlie's beautiful cabins and cottages available to rent in Scotland, please visit glendyecabinsandcottages.com and all the links will be in the episode show notes.